I'd like to speak this morning from Matthew 4, uh, beginning in verse 23, uh, through the end of chapter 9. And I know this is a lot of material, and we can't, I'm not going to try to cover it in any kind of detail. I am going to try to address or focus on the what is the gospel of the kingdom according to Jesus. And I'm going to focus on two main things. Uh, the, the teaching of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus. I want to begin by reading uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. Uh, this is from the uh, ESV. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And then chapter 9 beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, so ver chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, I believe, offers a general uh, setting or context for the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount develops the theme, uh, it develops the theme of Jesus' teaching, uh, main ideas of his ministry, teaching ministry. So we have that in chapters 5 through 7, and then chapters 8 to 9, we have a number of miracles. So the teaching of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus, and chapter 4, verses 23 to 25 introduce these teachings and miracles. And then verse chapter 9, 35 to 38, is is almost a word-for-word, -word, verbatim, repeat of chapter 4, 23 to 25, that introduced the section. So we have in these two beginning and endings a focus on 
teaching. They both mention teaching. They both mention preaching, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. They both mention healing every disease and every affliction. Chapter 4, verse 24, talks about healing those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, uh, which I believe can be taken between that, those three, demons, epileptics, paralytics, and the phrase in uh, 4.23 and 9.35, every affliction. I believe those categories, uh, you could just about, you could see those words as describing a category of various kinds, many kinds of illnesses and human afflictions. And then 936, I believe, which talks about uh, Jesus healing Teaching and healing uh, motivated by compassion. Um, it's the attitude that motivated his ministry. It was motivated by compassion for these people who were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Though that verse is talking about the I believe the state, the state of religion, pardon me, but the state of religion in Israel at this time, the way the religious leaders thought about and related to led the people. Uh, it, the, the statement addresses, I believe, uh, a major evil among the religious leaders in Jesus' day, the evil of using their authority and power to harass people. And I know that's a strong statement, but I believe that is what it's talking about. Using their authority and power to harass and control people in contrast to Jesus, who uses his authority and power to teach and heal people. And then uh, chapter 11, the last part of chapter 11, which is very familiar, is an extension of this same idea that we have in 938, that, uh, which reads, uh, Come to me, all, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, so we need to get something clear in our minds and hearts. And that is that the gospel, the good news, the good news is that Jesus calls people to submit to, I use that word intentionally, submit to him as Lord. But Jesus always claims that submitting to him as Lord is going to be in your best interest. 
It is going to be a restful place to be. It is not going to be a place in which you are harassed. Uh, Jesus will have your best interests in mind. He will care for you. All right? So this, this is Jesus, all right? This is the context. So my thesis is this morning that the gospel of the kingdom, according to Jesus, is two things. One, the teaching by Jesus that the kingdom of God person will live a kingdom of God kind of life. as spelled out in chapters 5 through 7. And the second thing, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is the healing miracles by Jesus that demonstrated the power and authority of Jesus over the devil, evil, sickness, and various human afflictions. All right, that is Jesus in his ministry. That's who he was and what he did. And uh, so then I want to ask a question. Is this still the gospel of the kingdom today, or is there some reason why that is not now the gospel? Is this the gospel of the kingdom today? And if it is, do we live as if? as if it really is the gospel of the kingdom do we live according to the teachings of Jesus and do we live according to the death and resurrection of Jesus which gives him power over the devil and evil even human afflictions So now, you probably could be sitting there wondering, where in the world is this guy going with this? All right? So I think I need to make a disclaimer, first of all, and say that I am not a faith healer. At the same time, I want to say that Jesus Christ died and rose again to defeat the devil and evil and all afflictions that are the result of the fall. And he will do that sometime, either in this life or the next. So I want to focus on these two ideas, the teaching of the kingdom of God and the miracles of the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew 5, and there's no way that I can talk about all the teachings in Matthew 5 to 7. I uh, just want to focus on a few things. Uh, Matthew 5, uh, beginning in verse 2, verses 2 to 12 uh, are what we call the Beatitudes, which means the blesseds. And uh, they start with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, um, we have the idea here of comfort. 
Jesus is coming to comfort. The words of comfort. The ones pronounced blessed are people in distress. That's what we have in the verses just prior to chapter 5. And that's what we have at the end. People are in distress. We all have distress. People are under severe pressure. And they are almost hopeless. I know people like that. You know people like that. And maybe you are one of them. I'm going to say that it's possible that each one of us on some day, that's us. Uh, don't be, don't be too proud to admit it to yourself. I won't ask you to raise your hand if that is true. Um, and, and Jesus really, in some ways, you could say that in these blessings, he gives, he does not really make this life be okay. The things that he says in these verses to these people who are in distress and difficulty and feel almost hopeless, he doesn't say, I'm going to fix up everything in your life so it really works well for you, so you can be happy, whatever that is. That's not what he does. <clears throat> that might be distressing to us too, that he doesn't just fix all these things that aren't, that are the result of the fall, but this is, this is it. Uh, verse 3, 5-3, talks about the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, and I believe the poor in spirit here is talking about the people who recognize their spiritual need. Doesn't mean they're a disaster. It means they are humble. They understand their their dependence on God. The proper attitude for the poor in spirit is to realize that despite the reality of our sinfulness, we can live in forgiveness and we can live in mercy and we can live in hope because Jesus lives. And then verse 4, blessed are they that mourn. Uh, there are many things to be grieved, grieved about in this life. It might be our own sins. It might be other people's sins. <clears throat> uh, I would say that if you are not grieved with the evils in the world today, there is something wrong with your Christianity. I don't know if it's because we have um, so much access to media or, you know, just what it is, but we certainly do know there is a lot of trouble in the world and there is a lot to be grieved about. But we're grieved about the things that grieve God, both in our own lives and in the lives of others. We are mourning. Uh, but we're not mourning in inaction. We, the one who is grieved is moved to action. I believe that's what we have in the New Testament. 
to repent of personal sin, to change our conduct with God's work in us. And, and actually to engage the evil that we are in contact with our own others in a godly way. So blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. These are attitudes of the heart. An attitude of mourning, an attitude of poor in spirit, an attitude of meekness. Um, Meekness is freedom from pretension. It's the ability to endure injury without retaliation. Uh, Moses was a meek man. Christ was a meek person. But he wasn't indifferent about evil and he did not do nothing. Hope there wasn't too many negatives. He did not do nothing. He acted. So meekness is not inertia. It's not, I don't care. It's not, I'll just make it be okay. But it's the right attitude about it. It's about meekness. It's about being surrendered to God. These are the teachings of Jesus. It's trusting God in the midst of evil, in the midst of life as it is. And uh, it just comes to me how many of us are stressed out by life. Stressed out by life. Been there, done that. Still do it. Stressed out. And uh, when we're stressed out, when I'm stressed out. You know, it's easy to uh, move into something besides meekness and humility and respect and honor for other people. Uh, And all of that is about lack of faith in God, isn't it? So meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. And it's neither elated nor cast down because of conditions. It's rooted in God. And then we have in verses 13 to 16, chapter 5, the kingdom of God person is salt and light and brings into the kingdom of God person is salt and light as that person brings into his or her space whatever it is that God wants to have done there. That's how you are salt and light. It's by making choices that are the kind of choices that Jesus would make if he would be living your life. See, I got you caught there. Because because Jesus is living your life with you. If he's not, well, I guess we'd have to say you're not a believer. But of course, I know very well that some days... Especially on the days when you're not as stressed out. (laughs) It's easier to live life with Jesus. I know that. But here it is, salt and light. And then we have in verses 17 to 20, Christ came to fulfill the law. 
And uh, the common view of that statement is that Jesus lived an upright, holy, righteous, perfect life and died for our sins. Those of us, yes, who don't live a righteous, upright, holy life, the common view is that Jesus' death takes care of all our sin, and then if we don't live a righteous, holy, perfect life, we will get to heaven anyway because Jesus paid for our sins. So that's our ticket to heaven. So if you don't live right, that's just how it is. You'll get there anyway. Just trust Jesus. <clears throat> and, uh, and I want to say there's a little truth. There's a little bit of truth in that. But what is really true about all that is that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the goal or climax of the law and those who have the Holy Spirit and have Jesus living in them, he lives their righteousness, his righteousness out through us, through those who believe. The righteousness of God and the righteousness behind the law, whatever the law was asking for, the righteousness beneath it, surrounding it, is fulfilled also in us, according to Romans 8. Well, we go on here. Chapter 5, verses 21 to 48, the rest of the chapter, they talk about anger, retaliation. Um, talks about lust and adultery. Uh, how to resolve relationship issues. Exercise humility. Be willing to be taken advantage of. Resist not evil. Maybe better way to say resist not the evil person. Resist evil without carnal force, I believe is what the Bible teaches. Return good for evil. So there's many teachings here. The kingdom of God person. The gospel, the good news is, this is the kind of person we are if we are a kingdom of God person. In relation to lust and adultery in verses 27 to 32, Jesus says that desire and lust is of the heart. Um, and to have sexual relations with a woman that is not your wife is sin. That's what Jesus says. And it's not just the act, it's also the desire and the intent of the heart. Sin begins in the heart, and uh, then there's some verses that talk about plucking out the eye and cutting off the offending part of your body that does sins, which is really an extreme statement intended to make a point. <clears throat> the point being that you need radical surgery. And I know of people who have cut off parts of their bodies to deal with these issues, and it didn't solve the issues. All right? Do not divorce your wife. It says, except for sexual immorality. And do not marry a divorced person. And uh, <clears throat> if we had more time, we could talk about that exception clause. Um, I believe that is uh, addressed to the Jews for a particular reason. 
But what we have is do not divorce your wife and do not marry a divorced person. Then in verses 33 to 37, oath, taking an oath. And it's about telling the truth. And Jesus says, tell the truth. And don't try to strengthen it by calling on someone like God. I'm not sure what all he's saying there, but don't try to strengthen the truth by swearing an oath. Just say what's true. For many years ago, it comes to me, Jody Rainwater. How many of you know the name Jody Rainwater? Yes, a few. He's probably long dead and gone. I don't know. What was his statement? Let's see if someone can get it. That's it. He had one other one, but that one's the one I remember. Always tell the truth and you'll never have to remember what you said. Oh, the other one was, if you need me, I'll call you. I don't know about that one. (laughs) Not sure. That demonstrates something, though, Joe. It demonstrates that we actually listen to the radio some. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Telling the truth. Then in chapter 6, giving, praying, fasting. Um, And the word alms there is not just about giving to the poor. Uh... It's talking about righteousness, righteous deeds, good deeds. And talks about the motive, do not give in order to be seen. So now we are at humility again. It's talking about the motive behind our actions. And then uh, verses 5 to 15, don't pray in order to be seen. So we could go on through these chat through the five through seven, and um, it talks about judging others and uh, treating others the way you want them to treat you. Uh, just a number of things. I want to uh, change now, and I want to talk about the miracles. I think we are way, way, way more familiar with the teaching of Jesus, and and we are. Um, uh, I think I think I'm right in this. Uh, we are very focused on, as a people, the teaching of Jesus, the commands of the Scripture, and the right and wrong of things. And I am not trying to belittle that or undercut that in any way, or say that that is wrong or bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there is also something else in the gospel, and that is the power of Christ over the devil, over evil. And the fact that Jesus was able to heal people 
and uh, deliver people from their spiritual, I'm going to say their spiritual and emotional and physical ailments. That is what Jesus did. And I'm not saying that in order to say that everybody who's sick ought to be well or that no one should ever die. That is not what the Bible teaches. But it does teach that Jesus has power over and can heal spiritual, emotional, and physical ailments. Uh, there are many, many examples given here. In It, it begins in uh, chapter 8. I'm not even sure where. Uh, well, yes, it's right, right at the beginning, about verse 5. Um, the man who wanted him to come and heal his servant. And then in verse 14 of chapter 8, uh, Jesus went to Peter's house and he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever and Jesus healed her. And the important part here that I want to focus on is uh, after he healed Peter's mother-in-law, uh, they brought many people to him to be healed and um, he cast out uh, and those oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So, <clears throat> Then this verse is saying that Jesus healed many in order to fulfill the statement in Isaiah 53, 4. And Jesus bore to the cross all the effects of the fall in his body. That is the scripture. And this includes all sin and all sickness and all human infirmities. Everything that is wrong in the world and in us, Jesus bore to the cross to redeem. And this does not mean that we will all be healed in this life. It doesn't. It means that Jesus' death and resurrection is the basis for the defeat of all the effects of the fall in this life or the next. It means that some of the defeat of evil happens in this life. And some will happen in the next life. Uh, now I want to make a uh, fairly strong statement here. The Bible nowhere says that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not present in the world and in the believer today. And that is the reason not to expect the gospel of the kingdom activities to take place today. The Bible nowhere says that. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm just trying to stir our thinking, stir our hearts. Jesus demonstrated the gospel of the kingdom in his teaching and living. And his living included miracles of spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. 
Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Jesus has authority over the devil, over death, and every effect of the fall. Um, now, I feel, I, I feel like I want to, um, I feel like I should uh, talk just a little bit here at the end uh, about my own experience in these things. I have a very close friend who's a, uh, well, I don't know what he is. <clears throat> and since these things go online, I'm not going to say his name. You could ask me in private. But I was telling him a couple weeks ago about an experience I had uh, in praying for someone. And uh, he said, do you know, do you realize that what you just told me is is uh, an expression of it, the ongoing work of Jesus in the world today. And uh, I said, um, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> now, I wasn't thinking about that, but <clears throat> he said, have you told your people there at Gladys about that kind of experience. No, I said, I, I don't tell the people those things. Well, he said, why not? Well, because, uh, anyway. <clears throat> so I, so I want to say, I, I have prayed, uh, I've prayed for many, many, many people in my life about very, very difficult things. And, uh, some of them, um, God did miraculous things for them, and some of them he did not. Um, I prayed, I prayed for, um, and you're free, you're free to, I'll, I'll name the person. I prayed for Tim Kreitz once. He asked for anointing. He had something, a fairly serious problem. <clears throat> And um, and I prayed for him. He had been to the doctor and had a, some tests done. And he came uh, came home, and then he asked for anointing. And a number of us prayed for him. When he went back, they said, they have no idea what he did or what happened, but he does not have that problem. And they could not figure it out. <clears throat> but that's fine. I'm fine with that. Now, Mary Sue doesn't know what I'm going to say here this morning. I prayed for her one time. Actually, I think it was, it was actually in home and in bed. This has been uh, back in the 90s. That um, she'd been to the doctor, and uh, they, the doctor was very, very, very sure that she had breast cancer. Uh, but when she went back, oh, they did a biopsy she didn't have. And uh, I still see the doctor came out of his room, came out there and asked the nurse, where is he, where is he? And I was expecting the worst. 
And he shook my hand and he said, I just want you to know your wife does not have cancer and you have no idea how happy I am. We almost danced right there. <clears throat> he said, I have no idea what happened here, but she does not have problems. Okay. Uh, I've prayed for people about emotional issues, many people and spiritual illnesses. And uh, Jesus showed up and did things that I had no idea what, it, what was going on. But it was nice. It was very nice. Thank you. And it wasn't about me. <clears throat> and it's really nice when you pray and things happen and you didn't really expect it. You didn't know. You didn't know. Okay? Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to tell you one more here. This just happened a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> Someone called me, person I talk to off and on, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and said that I cannot get through the day the way this is. I, I'm hearing voices, and um, they're harassing me, condemning and shaming me. <clears throat> um, I wasn't sure if it was the person's own thoughts or what it was but uh, after a while conversation I decided uh, it came to me that what I need to do is pray against the devil so I prayed uh, Satan, I command you to go to Jesus and do what he says. And immediately the person sighed and said, this might drive you all crazy, I don't know. The person sighed and said, I heard a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And the voice is now gone and I'm not being harassed and thank you. So I prayed and thanked Jesus. Now, <clears throat> I'm just saying to you, I'm not a special person. I'm just saying to you, God is still alive, and this is as much a part of the gospel of the kingdom as, as, as all the right teaching in the Bible. And, uh, and I want to say this too, that um, Praying with people in this way is not something that you get up some morning and decide that I want to do these things and I'm going to do this. I'm not quite sure how all that happened for me, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that God is alive and Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit is still working. And he can work in your heart. He does work in your heart. I want to pray. <clears throat> Lord, uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you lived in our world among the distress, uh, afflictions, emotional and spiritual and physical illness, illnesses. You lived among us. And you bore to the cross everything that is 
uh, the result of the work of the devil. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you are able today and want to meet us and deliver us from everything that's opposed to your kingdom. I pray you would give us understanding and wisdom in these things. I pray you would work according to your good purposes to accomplish your good intentions. I pray you would increase our faith. I pray you would increase our rest in you. That where we are, what you're doing, where we are, is good. And whether we live or die, we belong to you. I pray you would bless each one here with understanding and wisdom in these matters. I pray that you would work to accomplish, to grow, to grow your kingdom, to teach us, work to teach us the good news of your kingdom. Bless us and make us a blessing. And thank you. Amen.